Our epistle reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, starting in chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit, announcing the gospel of his Son, is my witness, that without ceasing I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And continuing on in chapter 15. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by the steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we have been traveling through the month of August um, in this sermon series called Community. And we have been thinking about what it means to be a, a community of faith. And um, as we think about this for the past few weeks, we've talked about what it means to be a community, a community that shares in worship. And what that means is that we come together, we bring our whole self, um, our strengths and our weaknesses together and make ourselves vulnerable with one another in worship and service. And then we talked a little bit about what it means to grieve together, to share with grief and to stand in those broken places, in those broken roads in life and to be able to stand there um, in the middle of that brokenness and just weep and to be together. And, but to, to grieve in a different way as a community of faith, to, to, to grieve in such a way that we know that there is something on the other side, even if it's unknown, we know that it is good. And then last week, Kristen uh, led us into considering what it means to uh, share in joy together as a uh, Christian community and how we find our relationships and these connections like on a vine and the branches of a vine that we find ourselves related to Christ and to one another. And in those relationships and those connections, we find that our joy is made complete. And that is a powerful, powerful moment to, to have that experience and to be able to to look and see that we're all interwoven together as a community that in these relationships can share in worship and can share in grief and can share in joy. And today we're gonna to continue to talk about community and, and what it means to share our gifts. And as I think about um, the, the gifts that we share, I, I can't help but just to look at the situation that we're currently in to imagine not even imagine what to remember back in March when everything came to a halt that normal was no longer normal and in mid-March we had to well we had to postpone our in worship in-person worship services and and move quickly to um, stream our services and then to move even more in different directions to be able to adapt and, and as we learn more about what we're doing as I think about that, that occasion and that moment in time, I think about the people that were around, um, the people that made up 
uh, the decisions and the made up the the process in the community that was helping us move forward as a church. You know, I, as I as I think back, I, I look at you know Kristen and Amy who who are far more technically advanced than I am in their understanding of social media and technology, and they were able to to move quickly and to, and to embrace uh, these different platforms to be able to move our worship services into a virtual environment. And then I, I think about uh, Leanne who worked, um, just poured herself into making sure people had the information they needed through newsletters and emails and um, whatever we could get out in front of people to let them know what we're doing, how we're doing it, to have as much information as they could have that was accurate. This was all unfolding all the while. And then even while that was happening, Jennifer uh, Bemis, who uh, we had, as we moved away from having a uh, in-person worship and, and no longer having a choir, and she was able to adapt and, and bring her musical gifts and, and expertise and to bring it and flex that to, to bring it into a virtual world. And then there was still more as Richard True um, looked at our sound system and, and found out, figured out ways to make our sound better. And, and he and Amy moved almost a studio into their home. And, and then there's John, John Miller, who was there and has said, I, I, can, I can do this. I can, I can help us and has made our visual and our sound at a professional level. Um, it, it's just amazing to me to see all of these people who were just part of our community doing what we normally do and then being struck by the unfamiliar and the unknown, and then they have to change. And in the middle of all these changes, there was, there was Pam Bostic all the while filling in uh, the gaps and the cracks and, and the logistics of, of making sure that we were safe and making sure that we were capturing everybody that we could, needed to capture, the logistics were taken care of, and the administration of all of this was, was happening. And then even while she was doing that part, there was Quentin making sure that the space was clean, disinfected. It, I can say it was a team, but it was more than a team. It was a community of faith who were bringing their gifts together and sharing them together to move the church forward, to solve problems and to answer questions and to meet a need. And that's a powerful moment and a an important memory for me to hold and not just for me but our entire community to embrace this memory this experience that we have had to see the church the church's staff and and the church's congregation and the church as a community when when joe comes in and sings and karen sings and jennifer plays and her daughter elizabeth sings and and leanne sings and lead us in in singing in the actual service and Oh, and then there's George who prayed today and who has prayed many times and Kathy and <laughs> Susan. The list goes on and on and on to think about Valencia who sends in her songs and the entire virtual choir who recorded their pieces and allowed us to have that experience even last week. And we look forward to the next occasion when they will be able to put together the next anthem as a virtual choir. All of this happens because people were willing to see their gifts and to offer their gifts so that the church can continue to move, continue to remain open and serving the world 
and worshiping and glorifying our God. And that is what it means to be the community of faith, a community that shares its gifts. As I reflect back on, on this season and not just those early days and as we have grown and learned and adapted and changed and when we evolved, I think back to what it means for the church to see itself as that early band of students, those disciples who walked with Jesus and, and, and saw Him and listened to Him as He offered signs of God's glory, as He taught and as He um, modeled for the world and as He offered Himself in His wholeness, in all that He was vulnerable and made Himself vulnerable and offered all of His strengths to glorify God and to bring the world into an understanding that God is still with us and God is still taking care of us. And even in that understanding and in that message that Jesus brings, in the Gospel of John, He does something even more important, something more and powerful, that's powerful for us and for as that band of disciples learned and as they heard and as we can, can read and, and bring in it with us as we can take it into our own and, and make it ours, we, we can be that band of disciples. We can be the church. And we can hear Jesus ask questions. And we can see Jesus acting on God's behalf, acting as God, acting as the Word made flesh to bring light and darkness, to bring fulfillment where there is emptiness, to bring food where there is hungry, where there is hunger. We get a glimpse of this in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 14. I invite us now to hear this powerful story of the feeding of the 5,000 and listen as we read and hear. Listen how Jesus invites the disciples and invites us, the church, to be a part of the solution, a part of the answer as He invites us to offer our gifts. Hear now a reading of the good news. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following Him because they saw the signs that He was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with His disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are, we, what are they among so many people? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, He told His, his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, 
so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this familiar passage, this feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is traveling. He's in the area of Galilee, and he's been um, gaining some notoriety as a healer, and people are beginning to hear more and become curious and, and well, desperate as they begin to follow along. There's this mass of humanity that's beginning to crowd in and press upon him and his, and his disciples as they travel. And, and we, it's hard to kind of gather the, the image here. We just don't see, you know, thousands upon thousands of people following, you know, 13 or 20 different people around the countryside. But that's, that's the image that we're given. That's the, the story that's before us. As Jesus is teaching his disciples, he, he, he pauses along the way and he's able to heal people and offer signs to the people that something special is happening. God is doing something glorious in their midst. And they just began to further press in, to be able to hear, to be able to see, maybe touch or experience this rabbi, this teacher, this healer, this anointed one of God. And so we have him walking along and, and we're told that as he, he, he makes his way up this, this hill, this mountain, and, and the disciples are there with him. We're not sure why he goes up the mountain and, and John, he, he may have gone up there just to create some space, to give himself some social distancing if it were in 2020. But then maybe he just needed a, uh, some time away. Maybe he just needed some peace and quiet and, and room to maybe pray, to be alone, to, to kind of re-energize. Or maybe he just wanted to make his way up this hill so that this mass of people, thousands of people, could just be seen as a field of humanity. We're not sure. Maybe it's so they could see him and the disciples could see the people. There's really no answer. But what what does happen is that Jesus looks up and he sees thousands of hungry, hurting, concerned, anxious people. And he has compassion. And he asks his disciples who were there with him next to him, and he, he asks them, where are we to buy bread for all these people? And we're told in John that it's a test. It's a question to his disciples. And it's a question to us. Where are we to buy bread for all these people? All these people who are hurting and are hungry, who are empty, who are anxious. Well, the first disciple says, well, I, 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 we, we, it would take six months of of, of wages to buy enough bread just to give everybody a little, if that's even enough. And I'm sure there were others that were nodding along. Other disciples were nodding, sure, six months, easy. Others were saying, no way, three or four months would be plenty. Three or four months of wages could cover this. And others were saying, this is impossible. They were probably even afraid to look up with Jesus because they could feel the pressure of the crowd and knew that it was impossible. But one, one disciple, 
looks around and sees this young boy who has a has a bag or a basket and he has his his, his five loaves of barley bread and, and and two and two fish and and he says well, this here's a kid there's a boy here who has some bread and some fish we could we could use those and i i, I it's a strange scene to me because i'm not sure what was the boy's expression what was his reaction to being the victim he didn't bring that fish and those bread for the disciples or for this thousands of people his mother may have packed him that his father may have paid a brother or aunt or uncle gave him that to, to travel with to, for his own meal and what was andrew why would he even bring up five barley loaves and two fish when he saw the thousands of people what was his tone was he saying, let's just put this out there and see who gets it, and we, as far as it'll go, then that's all, all we have? Or maybe he was just being a little sarcastic. Here's some food, let's send this out. We're not sure, but it's always a bit of a puzzle to me. But while the disciples are kind of making their way and, and trying to figure out an answer to this test, Jesus takes the bread and takes the fish and gives thanks. And he tells the disciples to, to make everyone sit down. So he sends the disciples out and to guide the people, to lead the people, to sit down in this grassy area. And, and now imagine this. We have to envision this. That they're, on this they're on these slopes of this hillside, this mountain, and it's grassy. And all these people are beginning to sit down. And Jesus gives thanks and he tells the disciples to now distribute the food, to give them all that they want until they are satisfied, until they are filled, all they want. And after they had done this, there were 12 baskets of bread left over. This is a powerful scene. And certainly we can walk away from this and understand that Jesus took what was available and provided an abundance that was more than enough. And that is a good lesson to walk away with. To know that God will take what we can offer and will make an abundance of more than enough. But let's push a little more. I want to stick with the disciples, those band of students. I want to stick with, with the church. And the question that Jesus asked those disciples and asked us as the church where are we? Where are we going to buy enough bread to feed the hungry here in front of us? So let's go back to us, our, that, that image, that envisioning of the hillside, this mountainside with all these people that are now sitting and lounging about in this grassy area, these fields. And they're just, they, they look, begin to look like a sea of people, or maybe they look, begin to look more like fields of people as they've been, they've eaten their fill, they're comfortable, they're probably less anxious, and now they're probably a little more hopeful. They've seen a sign that is unimaginable. They've seen a sign in the, of the glory of God. And Jesus is there at the center of this. His disciples are the next ring. They're real very close to Him. And then it, from there it just falls away fields of people. 
And maybe what Jesus is doing is recalling an earlier message when he says in chapter 4, verse 35, Do you not say, four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. Jesus has his disciples look around at these fields of people. And he has us, the church, to look around our world at the fields of people who are hurting, who are hungry, or empty and anxious. And he tells the disciples, and he tells us, look around and see how the fields are ripe for the harvesting. Maybe on that mountainside, for the disciples and for us, we begin to hear a message that Jesus is asking us and inviting us into the work, into the solution to harvest the world, to provide the answer, the solution, to provide food for the hungry and nourishment for the empty. Maybe our, our message here from this feeding of the 5,000 on that mountainside is to know that the sign of God's glory shown through Jesus Christ and His work on that mountainside to feed 5,000 people is about bringing hope and physical and spiritual nourishment. What we need, what we crave, what the world needs and what the world craves is God. A touch and an experience of God, of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus asked the disciples and He asked the church, where are we to buy so much food, so much bread for all these people? It may look impossible. It may be a task too daunting for us. And for us as individuals, it is. But us as part of the we with Christ, with God, nothing is impossible. God will provide and God invites us through Jesus Christ to work with Him to provide, to offer food and nourishment for the physically hungry, the spiritual empty. That's a, a wonderful, powerful, glorious message from Christ. And so as we hear this question, and we ponder the answer. How many months' wages will it take to buy enough food for each of us to get a morsel or for the world to have a morsel? Or maybe we don't even have an answer, I guess. But what we do have is we have our gifts. We have what we have that God has bestowed upon each of us. We all have something to give. A word of encouragement, a word of prayer, a skill, a talent, financial resources, prayers, and presents. These are all gifts that God has given all of us. 
when we share them, and we share them with the community, we share them as part of the we with Jesus Christ. And that is a powerful message for us to hear today and for the world to see and experience. So just this past week, our COVID-19 task force met. And, and as I mentioned before, we've, we've been working and discussing how it, it may look to open up for that first time, that first instance to, to, to re-congregate in our building. And hopefully on September the 13th, on, Sunday, on that Sunday morning, we'll do just that. But even as I look at the COVID-19 task force, I see a community of people sharing their gifts. Consider the people that are, are, are part of this thing. This is an amazing group of people. There are attorneys on this, uh, on this committee, on this task force. There are uh, professional teaching, educational people on this task force. There are physicians and qualified and experienced managers and social service experts, an engineer, this is a wide array of experience and expertise, an array of gifts. And these folks are, are sharing them with the community to be part of the we, to offer solutions and answers and a way forward with God to move the church further into the world to grow the kingdom of God. And so as I think about how we began back in March when the pandemic struck and changed everything and how the church has responded with many people offering many gifts and we've continued to do just that, every week we can see different people offering different gifts. And so if you walk away with one thing today, Walk away with the encouragement and yet the challenge to know that Christ has invited us to be a part of the answer. In the word we, when Jesus says we, He invites us to work with Him to provide for the physical and spiritual needs of the world. And we can do that together. We can do that as a community of faith who share our gifts together. And when we do that as a community, we will worship together. We will share our worship. We will grieve together. We will share our griefs. We will rejoice together and share our joy. But maybe it all begins by looking around and understanding what we have to offer and to offer it back to God by being a part of a community that shares our gifts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.